0: a very good evening to everybody evening. Welcome back, it's been a long break But I don't think you've appreciated Shurim over Kesach Or before Kesach um, We are leading up to Shavuos so We haven't done the Halakhas of Shavuos for a while Particularly this year where Shavuos is on a sh- Sunday-Monday We have a Shabbos Sunday-Monday So let's run through some of the areas of concern in preparation for Shavuos and different areas of halacha which are relevant to Shavuos and preparing for Shavuos, <coughs> many of us have a minute to eat milky foods on Schwarz, which therefore leads us to the problem if you don't have a massive kitchen and seven cookers like most people do nowadays but if you have a, a normal kitchen with one cooker that you might end up, or even if you have two, but if you're cooking many dishes, you might end up cooking milky and meaty on the same cooker at the same time which can cause us problems, so let's run through some of the halakhas that are are relevant to when you're cooking milky and meaty on the same cooker at the same time, or even if it's not the same cooker you could end up easily crossing and mixing up which spoons belong where and which lids belong where, even if it's on two separate cookers, I get this before Pesach from Chomis to Pesach I get people using Comet spoons in Pesach and, and even with Pesach kitchens I've had people using Comet spoons in their Pesach pots. So uh, we've had on, let's say the night somebody used a Comet spoon to mix these in his mother-in-law's house
1: and came running around
0: for me and it wasn't this year but came running around in the middle of the night please help me out of this
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> and this is not a mother nor joke this is a true story so, so mixing up in the kitchen is very common and very easy so particularly if you're it's Erev Yontav and there's three days so it's a lot of cooking a lot of preparation a lot of heating up um, before Yontav so let's run through the areas where you could chas and hopefully you won't but you could um, make a mistake and end up creating trouble for yourself in the kitchen so let's imagine you're cooking two pots on the fire, one's milky and one's meaty one's milky, one's meaty, you've got to be extremely careful to make sure that they don't splash um... splashing pots are very problematic now if you do get to a stage where a pot splashes, a milky pot splashes onto a meaty or a meaty pot splashes onto a milky and you're going to pick up a phone to ask a Shaila what do I do let's run through roughly what you need to Mention to any Rob that you're going to ask the Shiloh to so that he'll be able to answer your Shiloh. There's a a couple of scenarios or a number of scenarios that you could come across when you're splashing from one pot to the other. Now this is relevant the whole year round, but it's going to be more cute when it comes to Air Shores especially this year when you've got so many many, uh, meals uh, six meals and so many different types of dishes that you're going to be cooking, milky and meaty so it's going to be a little bit more prevalent and relevant. The Splash could hit the pot below the food line, so you imagine you've got two pots, you've got chicken soup on one side, and you've got on the other side, I don't know, but I don't know what you cook milky, but some sort of milky, uh, milky, sorry, not macaroni, some milky sauce or something, yeah, yeah some milky soup, right, a milky soup for onion soup with cheese in it, the place. Uh, you've got a milky soup on one side and, and, and a chicken soup on the other, now one of them, you lifted up the lid to see what was going on, and it splashed. If the splash, th- there could be a number of the splash could have hit the meaty pot below the food line. That means if the food, the, the soup is three quarters of the pot, three quarters full, the food, it could have hit the pot below the food line. It could have hit the pot above the food line. What We're assuming that it's mean all hot at the moment. Just just outside. Outside. Um, outside. outside. So again, really you splash your pot from the outside. You lift up your mooky lid and you did a very, very rough, because you were very tired and very very busy and you did a rough stir of the soup and it splashed and the splash went and splattered the meaty pot now it hit the meaty pot either below the food line or above the food line so if you would open the pot in the meaty pot to see where the chicken soup reaches you can see it's roughly three quarters of the pot so it could have hit below the three quarters line of the pot or it could have hit above the three quarters line of the pot it could have hit the lid of the pot and we're assuming it's all hot because that's, that's when it gets more complicated and therefore when you, when they're off, when you pick up the phone to ask off the Rav Dushaila what do I do now? Am I allowed to eat my food? I'm not allowed to eat my food he, he's going to want to know where did the splash land? Did it land below the food line? Did it land above the food, the food line? Is there 60 times the food? Is there 60 times the food in the chicken soup? Is there 60 times the splash in the chicken soup? He's going to want to know how old the pot is. Is the pot a Ben Yemo? is it not a Ben Yema? Um, if it hit the lid, he's going to, want to know, he's going to want to know is the pot, the soup bubbling, is it not bubbling? So these are different questions that he will ask you when, when you ask him the Shai. And I'll explain to you roughly why. We don't clearly understand. Chazal didn't tell us. We don't really understand what happens when a splash hits the outside of the pot when it's both hot. Do we say it just stays where it is? Do we say it penetrates and enters into the food, or do we say it, it spreads around the whole area of the pot? So it's unclear exactly what happens, so therefore we have to worry about all those possible scenarios of the splash hitting. So if it hit below the food line, if it hit below the food line, and you've got 60 times the food, you've got 60 times the chicken soup to the splash which you most likely will have, most times when you splash, you will have 60 times the food. In, in, in proportion to the splash then the pot has a problem because it's in the pot and the pot is a, a meaty pot you've now put milky food on the pot and it may spread around the pot so you now have milky and meaty in the pot your pot is trick. so you need to go and kasha your pot but one second what about the food? so if it's below the food line then we can what's the risk that it penetrated through and entered into the food? that doesn't matter the food is 60 times so the food will annul the piece of milky splash that landed on the outside and my food is still okay, but I can't leave it in the meaty pot because the meaty pot is not traced. So I have to immediately transfer my food out of the meaty pot, put my pot aside, wait the after Yolter to get the kashas and go find myself another pot to continue heating up my chicken soup. If it splashed above the food line, there we have a lot worse problems and there the meaning is that the pot is traced and though the l- the food may be okay but you can't get the food out of the pot because the top is now all shraith so we have a worry that if you're going to pour and even if you don't pour it properly we're worried that it'll hit the area where the splash is, where, as you're pouring and end up causing, you're not allowed to allow a splash to enter your food l- so we have a problem, so the many is when it, when it splashes above the food line that we don't eat the food at all unless the pot is an Eina Ben yeyma. The pot's the it, It's a little bit easier. And then what we do is we wait till it cools down. We transfer the food out. Put the pot aside to be cushioned, and we reheat the food. So it's it's a complex. I don't expect you to understand what I'm saying you now and remember it. I just want you to realise that it makes a huge difference if the splash is below the food line, if the splash is above the food line, if the splash, if the pot's a benyoma, if the pot's not a benyoma, and and how hot the pot was and how hot the food was. Of course, if it splashes cold, then there's not much to worry about. But if it splashes hot. Even if the, if the pot is cold and the splash is hot, it will make a difference. If the splash is cold and the pot is hot, it will make a difference. So all these questions are questions that the robot will ask you if this type of accident happens in your kitchen. If it lands on the lid, then if the pot is bubbling, then we say that it will enter into the food. And if you have shishim, it will be the food. If the pot not bubbling, not bubbling, then it will just land on the lid and the lid will become traced but you need to take the lid off straight away and then not use it again and cacher it, etc. So it, life can be quite complicated when it comes to splashing. Uh, particularly if you have to start cachering pots off the onto it's not a very nice thing to have to do. So one needs to be extremely careful to make sure things are splashed, yes? Does the
1: material of which the pot
0: made make a difference? It'll make a difference, only for only... only o- o- it'll only make a difference regarding c- uh, cachering. It will not make a difference regarding... Um, Cush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you, an, another common mistake, which one that happens particularly in kitchens when one's a little bit frazzled, is putting the wrong lid onto the wrong pot. So you're cooking a milk and you're putting the meaty and I know you're supposed to have different lids and I know you're supposed to have different pots and everything's supposed to be completely different so you can't make a mistake but most people in the kitchen have similar pots and similar lids for and meaty and they've got blue stickers and red stickers and purple stickers and yellow stickers but you can make a mistake and you're cooking two different types of dishes and you've got one lid there and one lid there and you've completely lost your sense of direction you can't remember if that's meaty or that's milky you've gone blank you went and put the milky pot lid onto the meaty pot and the, or the vice versa or the meaty pot on the milky lid on the, or the meaty lid on the milky pot these are very common shiders these are really things that happen all the time but much more prevalent in the Arabianters then again, here you have to know did the pot, was the pot hot was the pot <laughs> bubbling if the pot wasn't bubbling n- and no steam came up from the pot to the to hit the lid then the lid's okay you take it off straight away and the lid's fine if you left it there and it started bubbling then you have a problem then you have to know is there 60 times a lid in the pot there could be because you don't have 60 times in a whole pot that means the pot itself can never be 60 they can never be 60 times the actual walls of the pot but it could be 60 times just the lid so you, you were entering into quite complicated situation. Best is don't swap lids. If you did, make sure you took it up as fast as you can. Um, but do if th- this question arises, make sure to tell the rob how hot the pot was, was it steaming? It could be hot and not steaming. And that's okay. It could be, you know, hot and, and not and there's no steam there, then you'll be fine. Or if there was steam there, but did it was it on long enough for it to steam, etc etc. Um, all these are, are questions that you have to ask the you have to inform the information, you have to inform the rob and then it'll give you a answer relevant to your situation relevant to your situation. Same would apply if somebody took a similar situation. You took a milky spoon and mixed a meaty dish with a milky spoon or vice versa, a, a milky dish with a meaty spoon. Then again it's relevant. Was the spoon a benyoma? Was it not a benyoma? Was that spoon used for hot, hot milky within the last 24 hours or was it not? Or hot meaty in the last 24 hours or was it not? And even if it was, how much of the spoon went into the dish? So now if you're frying your onions and you mix it with a spoon, the amount of spoon that actually goes inside is only a very small amount. And we only have to reckon with the, the amount of spoon or the amount of whatever vessel it is, whatever, spoon, fork, knife makes a difference, well, the amount that actually touched the food, that's all we need to reckon with. And then we need to know was there 60 times the food of that small amount of spoons. So if you're putting your spoon into a uh, a soup to mix it you'll have you'll put the spoon in quite far. if you're going to just be mixing a few onions you might mix just the end of the spoon or if one of the people like to turn the onions around with a whole spoon so you'll end up with the whole spoon part of the spoon but you won't actually have the handle part of the spoon involved and therefore you, ha- you need 60 times now 60 times a spoon is not a lot a spoon is very thin so if you take the thickness of the spoon because we don't know how much gets absorbed in the actual material of a spoon or a pot or any any vessel, any item in the kitchen. So therefore we have to assume that it's completely saturated and therefore we need 60 times the thickness of the spoon. 60 times the thickness of the spoon is if you would cut just the spoon size and pile 60 up, not that many. Pile 30 there and another 30 extra. You, you, you're not talking about anywhere near half your pot you're talking about. Not a huge amount of food to cover the 60. But one needs to make a rough estimate because the robber on the other side of the telephone has no idea how much food was in your pot? and he's not going to be able to answer the question unless you actually give him the information was there 60 or is there not 60 so if you do have situations like this try and focus is that 60 or is there not 60 and make a rough estimate you don't need to be more than a rough estimate and as long as you think there's 60 you can be rest assured that probably is 60 times because you're always going to earn the side of the caution rather than the size of um... Is there difference between your the metal? No, you need 60 just to take this again it'll be thicker, the would will be thicker uh, we don't assume that would we'll absorb any more than anything
1: else. What about plastic which doesn't get hot? Is plastic You
0: have to assume that even a, even a, a silicon spatula is hot when it's inside. Mm. Uh, it's inside something hot so it will absorb. The advantage of a spatula is when it's out it cools down very, way, very straight away so it's cold. And then you can put it back in again and you haven't got a problem of... Uh, of, of uh, you've got the you've got advantage of K-D-Shaney because Shaney because it's cool. Straight away. It's not going to help you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, it's it's nice to say that, but uh, different people manage their kitchens differently. Not everybody manages it the same way as you and, and everybody else in the room. Some people manage it by cooking their milky three weeks before and the meaty, you know, and some, some some people just I know somebody who starts cooking for Shabbos every Friday afternoon at three o'clock.
1: I'm sure it was I'm sure it is
0: but I don't think my wife could do that every Friday no, Shabbat doesn't start before 3 o'clock not the chicken soup not the chicken not nothing why? right why? why does she do that because she likes working on the pressure I don't know why go ask me I'll give you a number and you can give her a call if you like <laughs> <laughs> Some people like working late, some, you can't, it's very hard to, to <laughs> instruct, it's not my job to tell you how to cook shabbos, it's my job to tell you what to do if something goes wrong. So I just want to give you the preparation, there's many different people out there and each one have, has their own, some people like staying up Thursday night the whole night to cook shabbos. They ask me why, I can't tell you, uh, why, don't they, why don't they go to bed and cook Friday or cook Thursday or Thursday? I don't know.
1: What about a
0: we're going to talk about pots as well. So now,
1: it can be more common. Okay,
0: so let's move on because we've been instructed to talk about parapots, So we'll talk about pots now. <laughs> the the risk, is, as as Mr. Maynard says, is much greater. To that you, the chances are higher that you're going to be cooking parrot and meaty, and then you're going to be cooking milky and meaty. Most people will take more precaution with milky and meaty, and they will try and keep it separate. though it does happen, and it's quite common for it to be cooked together. So, pyrup is a bit different, if you have a pyruv pot with a milky pot or a pot with a meaty pot and you get a splash from a, a pyruv pot onto the meaty pot or pyruv pot onto the milky pot, that's nothing pyruv is pyrup, so they can splash, that's not a problem if it splashes the other way, you still have a slight issue so if the splash goes onto the pot and you have pyrup food inside and there's 60 times the pyruv food versus the splash, 60 times of the food in relation to the splash so it becomes bottle, it's not meaty, it's pirate and it remains pirate, you have no problem. Your pot though may become meaty, because you've now splashed your pot with meaty splash and it has blears of meat inside it. Next time you cook you're going to end up having meaty, however, however we have a rule that if most times when you use your pirate pot you're going to be using more than 60 against the splash, then we can assume that the pot remains pirate. This is very, 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 very relevant to more to kettles than anything else. Most of you don't even realize that when you pour your, your coffee, and uh, especially if you're a little bit old fashioned and you put the milk in before the tea, you put the milk together with the tea bag, and then you pour your, or you've made your coffee and you want to top it up, and you pour your, your, and it splashes, and it does splash. And if you take a magnifying glass, you'll see it around the outside of your, your cup, your kettle. If it's not black, you'll see little brown coffee marks there, milk, milk stains, etc. etc. it does splash. But yet we also use our coffee, uh, we also use our kettle to heat up the kettle and pour it into a meaty pot, etc., etc., because we haven't got the patience to wait for the water to boil in the pot because it takes too long, etc., etc. So how can we do that? And the answer is exactly the same thing. A pirate pot does not become meaty or milky by a splash if the pot is nearly always used for shishim. Shish, no, shisham it's oh, nearly always used for large amounts most pyro pots are used for large amounts if you have a pyro pot which is used only to fry onions then it's possible that if you smash your pot it will remain meaty or milky depending on, but if it's a pot like most pyro pots where you do your pyro soups and you do your pyro macaronis and I don't know what else you do in the pyro pot then that pot has nearly always been used for more than shisham then you're okay, you're okay particularly if you wait 24 hours then we can assume that it's completely pyro and you don't have to worry about it.
1: The
0: steam? steam is the same thing as, as the actual Well where do you have a case of steam?
1: No I mean like when you use
0: salt, like salt Because the steam goes the salt it's like So, so the, the, by the time the steam comes to the salt it's cold It won't go inside It'll hit the outside You can
1: steam.
0: use the same salt Because you don't pour it in right down there You pour it up there mm-hmm. By the time the steam reaches up there It's already cold <laughs> There's a bigger problem is pouring a kettle over a chicken uh, uh, and, and then pouring it over your, your milky macaroni mm-hmm. that's the bigger problem the steam. we get this in Arab Pesach a lot where, where the boys come home from yeshiva not so much the girls but more the boys come home from yeshiva and they make themselves a pot noodle mm-hmm. and they use the Pesach kettle and this is I've had this a number of times they don't know which one's a Pesach kettle which one's the, they don't know which one's a Pesach kitchen which one's a milky kitchen and they make themselves a pot noodle and they use the Pesach kettle and they just Not very nice, but these things happen. So there you have a problem. Again, the steam will come up and it's going to hit something hot because your kettle's hot. You're going to have comet steam hitting the kettle or meaty chicken, which is hot chicken now, hitting the hot kettle, and then the kettle will be absorbed. And then you're getting into slightly more dangerous waters because there's a lot of steam there and it's going to cover a lot, a large area of the the kettle so it makes life a little bit more
1: complicated. Don't pour
0: your... HOT if KETTLE OVER it, CHICKEN Don't pour it. But well hopefully most people when they pour, pour it from a distance So the, the steam doesn't come up and hit it But if you're one of these people to pour right on top, you you shouldn't be doing that
1: uh, If anybody who's done
0: it and, and really worried about the kettle, please give me a call afterwards I don't want to make you all go out now and buy new kettles
1: <laughs> You put it in another cage, that's what you do put it in another vessel and you pour it on. So when you put spices over, over
0: a pot, the steam, by the time it comes up, is cold. So it doesn't affect the spices. Some people um, have meaty spices or milky spices, but So there's also a problem with the and right? Just
1: push out on
0: the You've got the same problem, yeah. Lots of steam coming up and then it's going to hit you on shore.
1: Sure.
0: Or if you take your urn, or you take the charm to the urn and you put sort of mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. a tap on it, can be, every problem.
1: And what's if one uses a flight Again, up? often
0: you, you, the time you do that, you, you, it's, it's quite low down, you don't, you don't, you're careful not to touch it, so from, the steam, by the time the steam gets a chance to get up there, it's already, you've already moved it away, so. You <laughs> two kettles. Two, two urns, two kettles. We
1: have two kettles.
0: That's right, you should have three of everything else. There's one for power, one for milk, one for meaty. Yeah, and one for somebody who wants to be even more So you should have four. And one for peta. Well, one for peta. I don't know. I was brought up with one thing, one cooker, and one everything. I can't tell you why we need to have four or five of everything today, I don't know.
1: But right, we're going to get
0: there, we're going to get there. We're, we've only started on the, the beginning of the, of the kitchen. We haven't uh, managed to get a chance to get further down. I've got four pages of problems if we haven't even done the first.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cooking, now, an, another area which often comes up and on a pre-pre-once you is ha- you haven't got enough pots. You don't have enough pots. You want to cook uh, so many different meaty dishes and milky dishes, etc., and you haven't got enough pots. So, And you haven't got enough power pots. So you want to cook a power dish in a meaty pot or a power dish in a milky pot. Can I... Do that is that permitted? Now here the halakha is very interesting. Now we've discussed this in, in the past. I don't remember if, how many people were here when we discussed all the halakha of the kitchen. But there's a concept called nut by nut, which what we call um, secondary taste, secondary place. The You cook a meaty dish in a, in, a, in a meaty pot. So that pot becomes absorbed with meaty. You then go and cook your milky. Not sorry. You then go and cook your parve in, in the in the meaty pot. So those blears, those absorption, that taste of the meat, which is now absorbed in the pot, will be expelled by the heat, by the cooking process of the power in the pot, and it will be be absorbed in the power of food. Now, we always, as we mentioned before, a pot is always less than 60 times, I mean, the amount of food in a pot will always be less than 60 times the walls of a pot. That's the rule, because I'll tell us. you can never have the volume of a pot 60 times the actual thickness and volume of the walls of the pot. You'll always have less. So what's inside the walls of the pot will come now into will enter into the food inside and the food inside is now absorbed and it can't become bottled because I don't have 60 times. So I now have meaty blears inside my food. However this is not direct meat but it's meaty blears. So therefore I cannot eat that parafood food together with milky because I cook it. It's not I eat it. I don't become meaty I can going have a coffee straight afterwards. <coughs> you can have your para soup cooked in your meaty pot to serve it on the night of shures and then have your cheesecake or your cheese blintzes or whatever you're gonna be eating or your quiche or whatever you're gonna be eating for what for the, on the you have to serve it on, on not you shouldn't serve it on, on milky milky plates right. ideally. Yeah. But Who's gonna use mm, on you're gonna
1: use paper on the little, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So
0: I was just teasing you, that's all. So So it's not you don't become meaty, but I can't make a pile of onion soup soup, for example, in a meaty pot and then put cheese in it. Because that pot that that, that soup has meaty blears and they mustn't be eaten together with milky. It's Where if it it's that's if it's a vanilla if it's an enoy benyaim and I mean I cooked my par soup my paravani soup in a meaty pot but the meaty pot hasn't been used for another 24 hours now that's a machlaikus, whether I'm allowed to eat it directly with milk or, or, or not and we try to avoid that if possible uh, it's a big makhlaikas that poskim and many poskim and talking about the early poskim not the late poskim the early poskim and the of the gone and the mashal and different, different poskim that's a big makhlaikas so if you can avoid that you're best off to avoid it all these halachos are only l'chatzkila which means, if you did make your, your, your meaty soup your, your par soup in a meaty pot and in, by mistake added your cheese to it once it's added then you're allowed to eat it because we can... sorry? you're allowed to eat it but you're not allowed to mix it in intentionally if it mixed in unintentionally or you forgot you made a mistake, you forgot it was cooked in a, in a meaty pot, then you you, sh- you mustn't do it. But if you did do it, then you have you enough to eat it. If it
1: was onion soup you might have a Yeah, okay, the onion soup
0: is not a really good example. We'll come to onions in a moment. Onion soup, onion soup is not a good example.
1: <laughs>
0: you should look at fill not, but if you did, you can eat it.
1: What you on meat power of crockery. crockery. Do you buy yourself
0: a set of power of dishes? <laughs> 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 should I say that again
1: no <laughs>
0: is it clear yeah.
1: there's
0: nothing really you're not clear it's not complicated Para soup in a meaty pot is considered meaty do not eat it together with a
1: some people might have
0: forgotten then they might have forgotten and they, put what they cook in a meaty pot <laughs> or you bring it to the table and you haven't announced yet that I've cooked it in a meaty pot and your husband's desperate to get into that really beautiful soup and he takes the cheese which is really there for the main course and he dumps it in his soup oh, oh, that's so very common <laughs> very common very common we have to share one day Mister Emmanuel when we needed to, to create uh, some house Tips, and, uh, and we will ask you to speak. Off. But at the moment, I'm talking about the the that come the way of rabbanim regularly, <laughs> regularly. <laughs> regularly. Um, there's <laughs> lots of different style <laughs> people out there. <coughs> <coughs> uh, yeah, I'll just put I'll, There'll be nobody left in the shop.
1: <laughs> 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 They'll all run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only
0: joking. <laughs> <laughs> you again uh, you're cooking your, 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 fruit, your fruit soup you cook fruit soup in a meaty pot you can serve it cold but you can't eat it together with milk no you can't, you can't eat it together with milk what do you
1: mean together and you could put it so on you can't put cream on it for on, instance. Your meaty, on, on your milky plate
0: technically you can put it on your, on your milky plate if you have to yes because uh, it's, it's already Katie Shaney. but best you not to
1: you still can't put cream
0: in it no you cannot <laughs> eat it together with meaty. so again anything cooked it in a meaty pot cannot be eaten together with milky. Whether the pot of benyaimah or even the pot of any benyaimah, ideally should not eat it together with milky. If your husband went and put cream on the fruit soup without you knowing you came around again and you said, oh yeah, I've been and I cooked it in a meaty pot, he can carry on eating a But <laughs> you're not allowed to mix anything <laughs> which is, that's right, anything which is not banana anything which is secondary degree Livers cannot be eaten together with the opposite type of food. So if it's in a meaty pot, can't be eaten with milky. Milky pot, not meaty. But it does not make you meaty. So you can have it and then have your cheese food immediately afterwards. You don't need to wash your mouth out. You don't need to. Do nothing. Immediately, it's no problem. But just together, you're not allowed to eat it. It would be very nice if most people were functional, at 100% in the houses, but. It doesn't work like that. We all go through down times and up times and we make mistakes. You know, we get flustered and we make mistakes. Mistakes are a perfectly normal thing to do in a kitchen. And that's what we're here for. To help, to help you make sure that you don't make mistakes. Cutting onions. Cutting onions is a bigger problem. Because onions are considered a double horror. It's a, it's a sharp, powerful thing. So if you cut an onion with a meaty knife, the onion becomes meaty. You cannot then go and use it in a milky food. You can't even fry it in a milky frying pan. You cut it with a milky knife. The reverse is true. The onion is milky and you can't. Truth is, even if you cut it on a milky plate with a power of knife, you're going to cause, it's going to make your onion milky. So the pressure, we assume that the pressure of cutting the onion on the milky surface will bring out the blears from the surface into the onion. And the same if you cut it on a m- meaty plate with a power of knife. It will bring out the blears from the meaty plate and it will become a meaty onion. You then go and cook your food, a power of food with this meaty onion. You now have a a, a pirate food with meaty blears inside again you cannot eat that together with milky it's got meaty onions inside if you took an onion and you fried it in a, power in, a, in a meaty pot or you fried it in a milky pot it will become meaty or milky because onions it makes a difference to the pot not being used for milky for 24 hours or for meaty for 24 hours or if it has it doesn't make any difference onions will draw out those blears because it's a of Chor They'll draw out those blears and they'll become saturated now with those bleers of meaty or milky. You therefore cannot use it in a milky or eat it together with any other milk meaty mm-hmm. dish.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Lemons can also be considered mm-hmm. on the Yes, yeah. onions are stage, stage, mm-hmm. stage up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you could make your pot meaty or milky, correct? If you mm-hmm. cut it with a milky knife and then mm-hmm. fry it in a meaty pot, you could really cause yourself trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, onions I- I- is a very common. Um, people cut it with a meat knife and go put it in the uh, in the blender, in the oven, in the Magic uh, things like that. So you can't really make. You know, you got to be careful. Onions got to be careful. Swadin don't have this problem. Swadin don't have the problem of milky or milky meaty. They don't have power swadim don't have power swadim don't have power They have one thing, a power knife,
1: for onions. But
0: otherwise, they don't, because swadim do not. The Svadin, the, the Machabapatin is that the Baliyahs inside the pot can't transfer into a, another food through cooking. It's already considered too far away. It's considered too far away. So they don't have... You, uh, you ask a swadhi, I remember we were learning a cable and the didn't know what we were talking about. We've got a pirate sink, you're mad, a pirate mm-hmm. pots, they, they thought we were completely off the wall. There's no such thing as pirate amongst the swadhi. The only thing they have is a pirate knife, because onions can cause trouble even for a swadhin. Even if the swadhin believe that the leers can't be pulled out of the pot into a food cooked inside it, it's already considered too distant, that so a knife cutting an onion will turn that onion into or etc. the other way around as well. If you d- ha- do have any any of these, these problems, if this does happen in your kitchen, do ask a shiner, because there are ways around, very often there are ways around, depending on the scenario, depending on exactly what happened. Uh, the rod will cross-examine you and, and hopefully find a loophole that we can actually get you out of trouble. But you do need to be aware of the issue so you should know what to be able to say to the, to the person you're asking uh, or, or you know, the exact details of the shyder. Yeah. <coughs> if you cut, uh, just like knife
1: really on a milky,
0: milky board, does yeah. the knife It could be. It asks the question when it's relevant, but it could be. Why does
1: need of the knife say you can not your meeting?
0: Because the, the, no, they can cook a Saudi will cook parah in a milk in a meaty pot and eat it together with milky, They're allowed to. Ashkenazi are not allowed to. So we need to have a pot. They don't need. They they will cook their onion soup in a meaty pot. Uh, onion soup has not been fried. It has been uh, boiled. So so there's no double horror, And they will eat it together with the cheese. No problem. It's only an Ashkenazi problem. Cutting is a problem even for soda. But is
1: cutting only lemons and onions? No, right? you have pickled pickled, pickle, garlic, rice. uh no, not totally a normal cucumber, but
0: nothing is as mild than a cucumber. Actually. Meat Leek could be. Leek is half an onion. onion. Leek is a is a uh, belongs to the um, the the onion family. The,
1: um, Probably. Only cutting,
0: not cutting. Yeah. So you shouldn't, but, uh, but the it doesn't it doesn't cause any trouble. It's gonna be the, the it's gotta be the pressure, of the, pushing? So cut, the pressure of the pushing. So when you cut the pressure of the knife, the pushing of the knife brings out the, the, the blades inside the knife and pushes it into the onion, or brings out the blades from the chopping board and puts it into the onion. That's why we have a pair of chopping boards, so that we don't have any of this transfer from one to the other.
1: Put a bit of oil on it Put something on it and then you're okay Put a drop of salt on it A salt A bit of salt you do that got high blood pressure Sorry? Do you leave it overnight? Sure Sure We do that in manufacturing
0: all the time when anybody's manufacturing with, with a hasha that's worried about it, they just... Is that
1: what they could
0: have the frozen onions? Uh, pr- I don't know. I can't tell you what, wh- what hasha they are. I have no idea. But I know that in the, in the cadastro, whenever they have to work with onions, and they need to leave them overnight, it's all salty. What about the
1: I'm not sure. I can't tell you what goes Except on there. The when we use the cloche, if They come from... They, they have a hasha of
0: london Lomb- basin. I don't know if london yeah. basin or mustard on this.
1: Well, that, no. When we use Would you rather m- ma- we didn't use them? Well, I'm not no, suggesting that no, 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 at all. I'll just tell you, we, when we use them, which we do use, use them in our cooking, the Mashiach always ask them, like I order them, say, for Wednesday morning, are they from this morning?
0: And then we use them. What does are they from this morning mean? That's what I'm saying, I haven't ordered them but they
1: were cut on Wednesday morning for us to use on Wednesday. You, you know that they were cut
0: on Wednesday morning for yes, you. Because I
1: made an made order specially for it, that's how they make the checkup. Mm. Right, so uh, I can't. Some people are, um, it,
0: it, see the problem is that the, the Gemara tells us n- you mustn't eat eggs or onions overnight. Okay. Shokhanar doesn't actually okay. talk about it. It's only mentioned in what's known as the Shokhanar Karab in the Balatanya Shokhanar. And here goes to all the, what's called, and, and it's because of Sakoma. So it's not 100% mentioned in Shokhanar, but it is. So mm. depending at, w- at yeah. some, some i are very careful not to do it, because it's Sakhanar. I'm not sure you don't care. I can't tell you it
1: goes on
0: in, in, in If you leave part of the peel on the onion, you're okay. Yeah. And the same thing with the next
1: Yeah.
0: I assume a leak is an onion. I don't know. A leak is in the onion family.
1: It, does, it has leaves on the outside. But it's still an onion
0: family. It's like a... The like a.
1: doesn't um, help to leave the
0: peel. Because then there's no peel, maybe. Let, let me do some homework on that because I always assume the leak is an onion. But uh, if you tell me it's... Uh, the
1: leak is not an onion. I'll do some homework. If you r- tell your husband to remind me, <laughs> tell
0: me, remind me and I'll try and find out. I always assume the leak is an onion, but I may be wrong. <laughs> Fine. Are we clear? Should we move on? <coughs> one more which is also relevant is, is: can one use a milky uh, a milky or power? Parav- let's say the other way, Can we use a power mixer to, for instance, to, to whip your cream? Uh, you want to whip your your. Milky cream, or whatever it's called, okay. and your cheesecake cream, right? Your cheese, but you want to whip it in, in your in your camel, but your camel is paraffin. You don't want to make it milky. Now there we uh, we allow the to even use it, as long as you're careful when you rinse it, because it's, first of all it's an unusual, uh, it's an un- We don't normally allow something to be used cold if it's not allowed to be used hot. But here, because it's first of all it's paraffin, and second of all we're not worried about uh, you come to do this regularly it's usually washed, you're going to wash it well afterwards, so you have to wash it with warm water in in a, in a warm under 43 degrees, uh, which is quite warm, it's okay, with a bit of soap, and you rinse it well, and we know that you're going to rinse it well, because you don't want to have old cream in your cake in, in the next week, so you're going to really rinse it well, so we're not worried about the the machine being used, even though it's part of on something which is milky, and it doesn't get hot enough when it goes around, it doesn't get hot at all to cause any trouble, so that's it's no problem, the washing, the washing you, have to, you just have to be careful that you don't wash it in your milky sink, without a mistake, and in your milky sink you make sure you don't wash it boiling hot with the hot water, because then you're going to allow the cream to be transferred in into... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> so so you wash it in your milky thing, but make sure it's not boiling hot. And you use quite a bit of soap, so you'll you'll uh, you'll have made the milk the the cream this kettle. Let's move on because we've got a bunch of the, we'll have to carry on in two weeks' time and try and finish off. But let's a number of inhogim that we have when it comes to when it comes to shavours. Most of us particularly most of us in the room here will eat milky at some time on shores the bulk of Minig Ashkenaz is to eat milky on Lelshoes on the Niteshoes so they will either have a full milky meal or, or etc others only have milky they will never go without a milky meal a meaty meal on Yom Yomtev. Yom without meat is like terrible Simcha's uh, Yom So they will make sure they have meat they make sure they have wine etc so what they, some people do is they will in the morning, not so much at night. In the morning, um, they will have a m- wash, make a dish, wash, and have a milky bit of a milky meal. And then they'll wait and wash their mouth out with uh, rinse their mouth out with some liquid chayim or with some bread, etc. And then, a while a few minutes later, they'll 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 start a the second meal with a different bread and they'll make uh, they'll have a meaty meal. We discussed many years ago the 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 differences in the shy, every single minute has a shali halakha, like for instance our minute, I mean we only have milky on the, on the night of Shavuos, uh, a, lot, a lot of the Anglicized Jewry had milky every Yom Tov. I remember my grandfather's simple story was always milky, there was no thing as having milky in the for sure, uh, and often second second night Tov, second night Tov for many people is milky, but so milky is, is, is Im- amongst the, you uh, Ashnaz. they weren't worried about, so, <laughs> Chassidim will look at you if you have a milky meal. Milk. Terrible! Ain't of have meat. Terrible! Terrible! He <Terrible>. as <laughs> <laughs> "Well, that's a different. That's for a different reason. That's because of mitzvah, the Suda's mitzvah. They're very careful about have, have meat." But every single minute has its own areas of halacha which, are, which are relevant and, and uh, difficult. And most minhagim, you're you're you are cutting a, you know somewhere here in halacha, you're, you're cutting a corner in a corner there in order to to keep the, uh, the minig as it is. So whichever minig you have you should keep you're never going to get everything 100% right in Shavuos, so it's almost impossible so whatever your minig is, that should be your minig. The Remar's minig was, like we mentioned a moment ago, to have a milky meal and a meat meal at the same time. We discussed at the time to eat milky and meat in the same meal is also the Zayah says, oh you must never eat milky and meat in the same meal you've always got to make sure it's two separate meals. So you can't get it right from from all accounts but the Remar definitely had a minig as he's brought down a Shavuos to have milky and meaty in the same meal but he would have two separate chalas and the way he defined the difference between the two meals was he would have a milky khala and he would have a meaty khala. and they did that because they wanted to be like a shteya so you have two separate chalas etc. now milky and meaty chalas themselves has a problem because we have a halak in Shulchan I was not allowed to bake meaty chalas or bake milky chalas because we're worried that if you have a milky chalas you'll end up one, one Friday afternoon realizing you're short of chales, and you won't remember that it was a milky chalas and you'll take it out and you'll eat it Friday night and dip it in your soup which is another discussion whether you're allowed to dip your bread in your soup but etc. or you need eat a Shabbos morning with your liver and you'll end up eating milky with with your meaty so the halal mecca says do not bake milky or meaty chalas unless unless you bake the amount of challah that's just going to be enough for that meal. So, if you're going to have just one challah for that meal, you, you know you're going to finish that meal. that for that meal, then you are have to make a milky challah. Or if you have 20 guests, then you can bake 3 challahs, or 4 challahs, or 5 challahs, I don't know how much challah is needed.
1: It, but
0: that, no, this is, you can bake the as normal shape challah, the amount that you're going to be eating that meal. And then you're okay, then that's fine. Or, you can bake as many challahs as you like, as long as there's a stem on the chalad so if you put a, a, a decoration on the top of the chalad and you know that every chalad of decoration is milky you're not going to come to make a mistake then you can bake as many milky chalads as you like or you can bake the chalad in a specific shape so you have a different shape my meaty chalad is always long and my milky chalad is always round then you're okay because you'll know that they're milky and you're not going to come to make a mistake so therefore when one is preparing for the minhagim of ashvur and you are baking milky chalad in the meaty chalad make sure that you remember these halakhs. Finally, and we'll stop because we're running out of time. We've still got plenty more to do. That only applies to actually baking bread. To bake milky bread or meaty bread is where the problem starts. But you can bake cake. Something which is not normally eaten as the main part of the meal. That can be made milky. So if you want to make a muffin for your afters. Or a cheese blinzer, Or I don't know, some milky cake. That's absolutely fine. Even though a muffin is really bread. It's a, it's a bread-like food, everything made out of, out, of, out of flour is considered bread, it's pasta kitchen, but it's a type of bread, But since this type of bread is never really eaten as part of the main meal, it's usually eaten outside of a meal or as an, a as dessert of a meal. It's not really part of the main meal. Then that you're allowed to make milky. We're not worried that you're going to end up making a mistake now and using and eating that muffin together with your with your uh, steak and roast beef and, and uh, etc. In the mix because that's just not going to happen. Therefore, so therefore you're allowed to have a milky type of cake for your after. That's not a problem. You can bake that. No problem at all if you have an oven. What we haven't discussed, and maybe we'll discuss next time, is how do you if you only have one oven if you have three ovens and you're fine. If you have know, a milky oven, a meaty oven, and a fire oven, and you're fine. If you don't, how to bake milky and meaty in different ovens, etc., etc., we'll have to discuss that in next year Met HaShem. But those, those are the some of the halachas which are relevant to a prayer for sure was, and Met HaShem in two weeks time, which is still before she sure we'll finish off and we'll move on. Just that's a, a short, a very short debate. As we come to the, before we finish, the Pasha this week talks about Shmita and Pasha's, Baha Shmita and Yebel, and uh, towards the end of the Pasha, Shmita and Yebel, the Prophet tells us, You're not allowed to sell the land for good. Every time a person in, in Eteshorah would sell, a Jew would sell a land to his friend if he needed money, that land would always go back to his original owner when he came to Yebel. Yebel, everything went back to his original owner. So here the gives us a love for the buyer to try and retain the purchase. Land and not return it at the right time. There's a law in the Torah. Do not sell for good, meaning the buyer can't keep that land for more than Yovel. He's got to give it back. And then the prophet tells us something very interesting. Ki, imodi because you are a ger, which is a sojourner. V'seishavim means somebody who is a resident. you are imodi together with me. So the word shovim is very interesting. Why do we need to have the word gerim with a shavim? We understand what the chorus Baruch is telling us. He's telling us that this land is not yours. It's really mine. You're only a temporary resident here. Therefore, don't try and keep something which isn't yours. Try and give it back. Give it back to the original owner because that's what I, who I, have, Baruch Hu, really everything belongs to me. That's what I'm asking you to do. Do not retain it for yourself. But why do we use the terminology of kigeim? let's say shavim, mimodi? So the Rosh Hashibah of a wrong group would say, uh, when, when we describe a person as a Geir and a teishov, there's two different aspects to the person. There's a person's life in the physical world, and there's a person's life in the spiritual world. In the physical world, we're only Geir, because this world is only here as a temporary abode. We're not here for good. Every person is going to move on from this world into the world of spirituality. A person in this world is, a, is Geir. A person in the spiritual world is a Teshav, because the spiritual world is a world of eternity. So if a person lives in the physical world as a Teshav, then he's misunderstood what his purpose in life is. If he's in the spiritual world as a geir, as a sojourner, again he's he's misaligned what he needs to be doing. He's got to be a geir v'seshavim, but he's got to be a geir v'seshavim atem imodi. When you're with HaKadosh Boratul then you can be a geir v'seshavim. If a person lives together with HaKadosh Barakul, he understands that everything belongs to HaKadosh Boratul and our purpose in life is to follow and keep the instructions of HaKadosh Baruch Hu then in this world we will be Gereb because we're, we're already connected to HaKadosh Baruch which is the spiritual world we we'll realize that this world is very much a temporary abode this world is not somewhere where we want to be a Teishov a resident we want to be a sojourner but at the same time we'll be a Teishov we'll be a Teishov in the world of spirituality the Pasuk Dobdamelech said Gere onloichi bo'aret al I am a sojourner in the land therefore I'll pastor do not hide from me your mitzvahs mm-hmm. again, the man is telling us in order for a person to be able to actually relate in order for a person to be able to reach spirituality and reach the world of eternity he has to consider himself a ger on mochi I live in this world as a sojourner this world is only a temporary place a person who lives in this world and feels this world is his and everything around him is and his Focus is this world, then then you can't turn around and say i Please don't hide your mitzvahs from me. Hakadosh will hide his mitzvahs from a person who feels this world is where he needs to be. But if we understand kige on that we're only a sojourner in this world, then Hakadosh will turn around and give us everything that we need. The Mishnah tells us, pass the melach techo, ma'im so how does one live a fortunate happy life in this world and in the world to come so the mission tells us just bread plain bread plain water and sleep on the floor don't have a comfortable uh, I don't know what they call these beds today with pocket sprung etc that's not going to get you what you need to get to you need to be minimize your attachment to this world then then if you want to be a geir, somebody who is happy in this world and happy in the world to come, then you have to. You have to try it. logically. The used to say logically, it doesn't make sense. You turn around to somebody and say to minimize your attachment to the physical world, and you'll be a happier person. They'll think you're completely mad. I don't have my luxuries I don't have all my all my uh, things that I enjoy I'm I'm going to go mad I'm not going to survive but yet the mission says if you can be a ger and a toyshov at the same time then you're going to be the happiest person in the world you're going to be far far happier and we find that all the time we find that when we 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 speak to the, the youth and we say to them try and minimize the amount of time you're on your smartphone, they think we're completely off the wall How can I live one day without my smartphone? But all of us know that if you go one day without a smartphone, you're a happy, much happier person than all the days you're on your smartphone. You think you can't manage without it and I won't have any Ayum Haza and I have no life and everything's terrible. In truth, it must okay. if you try it, the briskerov or false salvation Raker said to me, his father, the briskyov used to say, Tamu you've got to try it. You've got to taste it. If you don't taste it, you're never going to see the beauty of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's not icing. If you do it, as we're preparing for Yom Tov for all these wonderful foods, we have to remember. You know, we're only again the Taisha. This world is only a temporary world. We have to use this world as a means to be a teshav in the world of spirituality. Of course, cook wonderful foods. But it's got to be the Shem Shemaim, it's got to be the Shem in order so we can be as simple as And then we'll be zephyr to a true Kabbalah Soteri, we'll be real teshavim, we'll be together with Hakkadish Barkel. As, as we say, there's nothing else other than being with Hakkadish Barkel. And with that, we'll have all the brochas and the stockers that Hakkadish Barkel can give us, Rez Hashem Yisporah. We will continue Rez Hashem in two weeks' time.